Welcome to Building Great Sales Teams, a show dedicated to making sales teams tick, tick, boom. Great sales teams are not recruited, they are built block by block. Let's get to work. Yeah, so, but, you know, that's, I mean, minor stuff, but it would have yeah, been nice to have a, a little office area as well, but I didn't get the choice either because she started building it before we were engaged. We were only dating at the time. You got the man <laughs> so, shed, dude. The man shed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Now, now it's kind of temporary. I want to build a, a 30 by 50 shed eventually. Trick it but, out. I mean, talk about like 30, 40 grand for that, probably mm-hmm. 40 to 50 at this point. Yeah. But there's just everything going up. <clears throat> so it's just yeah uh, that, that'll be eventual so this one's a 12 by 24 it's not too bad so nice. the room's a little bit smaller than i expected when i when i built it but mm-hmm. hey that's all right it does it does <laughs> the job it gives me my own space yeah it's awesome yeah so, I, I, I got i got kicked out of the room pretty quick we had a, you know two spare bedrooms until the daughter was coming along mm-hmm. and then it was it turned into that was my podcast area. And then it turned into the baby podcast room. And then I got kicked out completely like three or four months before she was even here. Yeah. Brooke's like, I just got to get it done. <laughs> like, <laughs> I need you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm like, all right, well, we need to get a shed. So I was in the other spare bedroom with the bed and everything. until so I get that built out. Nice. So I got, I got somebody to do the shed obviously. And then I put the room together myself. So nice. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's yeah. awesome, man. I, right. I won't do drywall ever again. <laughs> oh, you did drywall? Sucks. Yeah, yeah. I put the drywall up and everything. Oh, geez. Yeah, it's not. It, it's it's pretty shoddy, but hey. I'm I'm having fun with the landscaping and stuff like that. You know, yeah. um, most of the stuff though, I subbed out. Like the garage, obviously, found mm-hmm. it, uh, the foundation for the garage and <clears throat> the fence. It's all welded. You know. Yeah. And uh, the chicken coop was tractor supply. You build it yourself. It took like nice. 30 minutes. It wasn't bad at all. Yeah, man. But it's always fun just going and doing some stuff by hand. It's, it's a little handy man. It's my therapy. And now the yard, I'm like that mm. guy with my yard. Like mm. my yard is, you know, it, in, in my standards, it's pristine. Right. And then I'm doing like, yeah. I'm doing like between the landscaping and the yard, I'm doing the, the roundup right in between to create that mm. like clean green edge, you know? nice and then of course weed eating and all that stuff but yeah it's coming out nice and now i got a like recessed lighting and everything in the landscaping so the the house is lit up at night nice yeah Yeah, we gotta get some new lights we bought some cheap ones or they weren't really that cheap but from lowe's and they're they're like all out they're they've gone out i think we've had them for like a year uh amazon 70 bucks solar powered you know no wires yeah these are solar powered as well but yeah they just some of them flicker, some yeah. never turn on anymore. So I need to go back and do that. So I have to look on Amazon. My wife's birthday is next week. So yeah, it's like uh, less it's than perfect. nine. Another birthday gift. I did that last year. <laughs> oh, you did? No, you yeah. didn't. Oh, yeah. that's dangerous, man. That's dangerous. She, she was talking about wanting them and wanting them. And she, I was like, what do you want? What do you want? Oh, no, oh, no. And I'm like, screw it. You've been talking about wanting these. I'm just going to get that for you. And she was happy. So. That's hilarious. It's like uh, when you get them a, yeah. a, a, toolbox or something for their birthday <laughs> right <laughs> hey, hey she wanted it she likes that stuff so 
But yeah, my my nephew mows the lawn for us. So that it's well now he went up to thirty bucks. He's like, hey, inflation. He started driving, <laughs> so he's like went from twenty to thirty bucks. To, I think we got probably about half an acre to an acre that he has to mow. Okay, he's got a riding mower, so it's not bad for him. Yeah, but but still, it takes him probably a solid forty five minutes to an hour. Yeah, I mean, yeah. unless you have a tractor, it takes time with the riding mower. Yeah. You just back yeah. and forth, back and forth. You know. Yeah, exactly. Reminds me so, of. Uh, he does that. Give him some money. Forrest, I do the weed eating. <laughs> yeah, reminds me of Forrest Gump with the the he mowed the field, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we just BS for the next hour, and that's the podcast now. All right, <laughs> let's get rolling, man. All right. All right, guys. I got Philip Sessions here. He's a Christian husband, father, fitness enthusiast, author, podcast host, public speaker. And most importantly, for the purpose of this podcast, he's a speaking coach. Uh, he's the uh, owner of the Speaking Sessions podcast. Uh, Philip is a connector of people, inspires them to become the best version of themselves. He does this by helping them build a stronger mindset and learn to speak more confidently and get comfortable in their own skin so that they can impact others through their message. Uh, Philip, appreciate you coming on the show, man. Uh, to, to So many people, when they first... When I first reached out to them to come on the show, they're like, but I don't know anything about building sales teams, you know? And it's like, <laughs> you don't exactly understand what, <laughs> what you do helps build sales teams. You know, if, if, if all we did was follow a building great sales teams model type model and we didn't bring in other experts to help with the, the little facets of every piece of the, the model, then we'd never grow our people. You know, we would just subscribe to this model and wouldn't bring in any experts and wouldn't grow them as individuals, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, thank you for coming on the show. It's an honor having you. I was, uh, just on your show a couple months ago, I think. And that just came out like a month ago and I uh, yeah. got a lot of good feedback on that. And, uh, we'll talk about your event a little later as well, but I'll be speaking at your event. So I'm excited about that as well. So, uh, honor having you on the show, brother. Yeah, man, well, it's an honor to be on the show. Honor to have you come speak on my stage. And yeah, the podcast was awesome. Love there at the end. We had a joke where you were a biologist. So <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. But yeah, we just just vibing, man. It's awesome. Awesome to be here and excited to bring some value to your audience. Absolutely. I appreciate you. So I typically like to start in the beginning. I mean, most podcasts do, right? You want to learn about uh, the person that you're interviewing a little bit. And I know most of your story, but obviously my audience doesn't. So can you walk us through that kind of how, how this passion started and, um, where it came from? Man. So believe it or not, I used to not talk at all. Actually in third grade, I believe it was, I had missed a day of school and this goes to show how nerdy I am and everything. But I came back the next day and asked the teacher, Hey, what did I miss? And she told me, Oh, I didn't realize you were gone. So oh, wow. like, here I am, this guy that never talked back in third grade to then fast forward to high school where I started getting into talking more, having friends. And I really would talk with those friends, but always felt like this outcast, this guy that was always shy in college. I said, Hey, I'm going to change this. And I got a little bit more outgoing, but I still struggled to speak in front of people. That was always something that I really feared and felt like people were going to judge me and everything. But I started having this desire to get on stage and 
over the course of the next probably eight or so years, I have slowly built myself up with that. And one thing I love to do is always push myself. And so getting on stages is a way to push myself. A lot of people don't like to do that. As Jerry Seinfeld talks about, most people, they would rather be in the casket than give the eulogy. <laughs> which is pretty crazy. So people would rather be dead than speak in front of a crowd. And so that just pushes me to want to speak more because it's what people don't want to do. So mm-hmm. that's one thing. We're always trying to be the best we can be. And to me, if people are wanting to do something, that means I can be better at that than somebody else and be in that top 1%. Yeah. But also I want to be able to give back and leave that legacy for my family as well, which is why I started a podcast and why I want to get on stages to be able to speak with people, to be able to provide a great message, to build up that mindset, to teach them something new. Mm-hmm. And so all of this together is really why I got into public speaking. And, and as well, I started noticing and another story I tell a lot is that me being an engineer, that a lot of engineers can't speak well. And so in college, where this is a really apparent story for me is that one of the guys, he's super brilliant, a very smart guy. He literally did the whole project and it was him and he was a good friend with me and this other guy. And we were all three in this project together. Mm-hmm. He did a whole project. He got the whole PowerPoint together and everything. And then we got together probably an hour or two before the class, before the presentation, he's like, Hey, here's this electronic stethoscope that we built or he built. He's like, here's how it works. And we tested it out. And he's like, here's a slide. So you talk about this and here's what it is and gave us the details and everything we go and present. And he, again, he did everything. Right. He got the worst grade of all three of us because he was so nervous and sounded like he didn't know what he was talking about. And that happens to so many people. And so I've always been a person to build others up. And that's where I come in with the public speaking, because I know people need that. They need that for their job with sales or to get that girl, to get in that relationship, to be able to go to an interview or just be able to communicate what needs to happen next. Mm -hmm. People freeze up and I want to be able to help people with that. And so all those things that are kind of rambling here, but all those things are why I got into public speaking and helping people with that. No, I think it illustrates a, a few really major points for your service, too, is, you know, it's not just about, you know, obviously, I'm always going to lean to the entrepreneur needs, right? Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, you know, we can get into that, too, as well. But just indiv- individuals in general, you know, one one hour with you could get them the girl. You know what I mean? One hour with you yeah, could get yeah. them the job. One hour with you could get them pr- the promotion. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, that's that's pretty cool to be able to impact people that way and kind of help build that legacy like you were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but you know, a lot of entrepreneurs do listen to this podcast. So, you know, I just want to point out that, you know, after I was introduced, you know, the the first event that I went to of Ryan Stumans was social media mastery. Right. Mm -hmm. And I saw him get up there and basically, you know, do this training, do this speech, you know, whatever you want to call it. He was public speaking. I saw him get up there and public speak. And then all of a sudden he had 300 leads in the room. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it's like, we spend so much time going after one sale as salespeople, as entrepreneurs, we spend so much time going after one sale and doing our presentation to one person. Imagine if you were doing it to a room of 20 qualified prospects, you know? And, uh, so much of what I learned this past year and a half being in the networks that we're in 
is about building that machine and eventually getting on a stage and being able to impact a hundred people and then sell five. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Versus mm-hmm. going going to someone's home or going to someone's business and speaking with them for an hour and not really impacting them, more closing them on the sale. You know, and you know, a good closing rate is probably about you know forty to fifty percent, right? And uh, you know, you're a lot less effective. So, part of every, I feel like part of every entrepreneur's journey in lead gen needs to be public speaking, because at some point yeah. they're going to go to a referral partners business, they're going to go to a conference, they're going to go to a workshop, a training, and need to be able to get up in front of people and relay their message basically, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I love the opportunity that you have in that space. And I think there's one other person that I've seen in that space. You know what I mean? But other than that, it's pretty wide open. I feel like, you know, as, at yeah. least in our networks and our circles that we run around, it's, it's you. And, and that's it. I don't see anybody else. You know, obviously every, every coach helps with the public speaking aspect, but an actual niche you know, I, I don't, I don't really see anybody with that. So I think you have a huge opportunity in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm working on right now. I don't think there is anybody else in apex. I've had a couple other people say that same thing mm-hmm. about that niche. And so well, I like working with small business owners the most, obviously open to whoever really wants that help because everybody, even myself can work on public speaking, mm-hmm. but I like working with small business owners because that community, Communication piece is so important in the presentations and everything. Like for you, for an example, mm-hmm. you being the CEO, you thinking at this higher level, being the visionary, looking over the whole company and where you're trying to go, you're thinking so high level and you're at that 10,000 foot view. Mm-hmm. But when you need to go talk to your sales team and they're in the trenches and all they can see is what's around them, the trees, they can't see this 10,000 foot view. So how do you come down and talk to them at their level for them to understand, but then also help them understand the 10,000 foot view too, Mm -hmm. because when you're in those trenches, it's hard to see what's all around you besides what's right in front of you. And so that's really where that communication comes in, especially for the small business owners, because they're so used to thinking high level, thinking about what's coming up five, 10 years from now, where the salesperson or the employee, the engineer, whoever is only thinking about this weekend or what's going on this week, what's this project? Okay. I need to finish this project up and maybe it is six months. Maybe it is a year long project, but most Mm -hmm. of the time it's not that long and they can only think about that and they don't think about that business. So how do you relate to them? That's a big thing that I've noticed a lot of business owners can't relate with. They can't communicate properly. And Obviously, there's times where you're, especially if you're a big, large company, not a small business owner per se, Mm -hmm. there's confidential things you can't talk about. But how can you give information where you're being transparent about the company's future, but also giving it to them in a way that they can actually understand that? And so there's that disconnect that I like to try and help bring in and help create that relatability and transparency. A hundred percent. Yeah, and I think one of my my superpowers has always been to be able to to transfer the information between the mm-hmm. necessary parties, right? So, you know, I've got my my sales side, I've got my operations side. Those do don't those two don't talk the same language. I mean, they yeah. they may as well be French and uh English, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. uh so that communication in between is 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 massive and so if you have people in leadership positions, especially on the sales side, 
you know, one of the things I see a lot is these high level salespeople or these salespeople that get promoted to the system. They're, they're getting into management now, right? Building out the sales team. Mm. And the, and I, and I see them get up in front of a room full of salespeople and all of a sudden they're not that confident salesperson that they are at the door or the confident salesperson that they are when they're selling themselves about why they should be promoted or why they should have a income increase or commission increase, whatever the case is. All, all of a sudden, they can't string together full sentences. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, you know, I feel like a, a a service like this can come into play there where you can put your, you know, management hopefuls in a training system to where this is a piece of it, right? And so mm-hmm. th- that's one of the things I wanted to do as well, uh, and we'll schedule it after this call, but I wanted to get you to come and speak to my guys, right? Okay. And, and awesome. give them a few strategies at the door. And ex- that's kind of what I wanted to talk about here as well, right? And so um, I sent you a few questions, and th- this is the first time I've actually sent questions before a podcast, but I was. I was like, I'm going to hit them with these, you know what I mean, and they're sales-specific, and maybe you mm-hmm. don't have clients that are sales-specific just yet, you know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. I wanted to send you them before. So the, the first one is, is, as a manager, your sales meeting is like a public speaking gig in itself, right? Mm-hmm. And anytime there's two or more people, it's public speaking, right? Yeah. What would you recommend managers do to communicate more effectively? Really go back. And I like what you did with when, the podcast with Wayne, where you talked about the core values, mm-hmm. really going back to what is that core? What is the core and what are we going to fall back on if worst case scenario with everything, but really giving your employees what it is that's most important and just telling them straight up too often, I've noticed a lot of managers, a lot of business owners, what they'll do is just give just enough information that they think they, the person, the employee needs to be able to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you just given everything or mostly everything? Again, there's sometimes there's things that are confidential or things that they really just don't need to know. But if it has something to do with the project, with the mission of the company, right. just tell it because by you doing that, you're actually empowering your associates to actually take on what's going on. And they can make those connections a little bit more because they know every bit of information. Mm-hmm. But if you leave it as, I'm just going to give you this little bit, then they're not sure if this connects or not, if I can right. go that far. And it makes it where they have to come back to you and keep reporting back to you to get more information. So mm-hmm. really, first thing is just putting it all out there, You know, having that like I said, the core values, I like that, that you did that. And I just want to bring that up, but really having that baseline of, Hey, here's the minimum expectation, but here's where we're going as well. Because a lot of people, they want to do more than just the bare minimum, especially now with your company, you're building that up, you're building that culture and you're Mm -hmm. getting these six figure minimum income earners coming in with salespeople. And so you're expecting a higher caliber. Well, the only way they can be a higher caliber is to know what the ultimate goal is. It's just like for us making a goal for ourselves. Well, if I say, Hey, I'm going to make this goal uh, of, well, let's go with Trevor, you know, Trevor just did that 38 mile run, Mm -hmm. which I think they end up doing more than that. Well, rather than saying, you know what, I think I might go run a couple miles or, Hey, yeah, I'm just going to go run. Well, if you just said, hey, I'm going to go run, yeah, you might run a couple miles, but if you say 38, this huge goal, now you've got something to go after. You've got something to really strive for. And mm-hmm. so it's the same thing when you tell the overall strategy for your business, 
for your employees. If you tell them what the overall strategy is, where we're trying to go, we're trying to make $10 million this year, a hundred million, wherever you're at in business, mm -hmm. they're going to know, okay, man, I need to do this. And there's say 10 Here's of us. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What's my part? What's my portion at a minimum to do? Okay. We're going to go after that, but what else can I do versus, Hey, get X, Y, Z and done. They're mm -hmm. just going to do X, Y, and Z. So that's, that's what I'd say first and foremost for managers, just tell everything. Yeah, context is huge. So many people reach out to me with problems, and I'm like, "What's the context? I need, yeah. I need to yeah. know everything." You know, yeah. and, that, and that's how my brain works. You know, and mm -hmm. it, it's refreshing to hear that other people's brain works the same way. You know, the more information they have, the better, the better that they can execute. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So the the second question is is what are three things that salespeople can can do to improve their dialect and their speech, you know? So one of the things I noticed when I first got on started podcasting, right. Is my ums were pretty strong, mm -hmm. you know? And then I replaced my ums with, you know, or, um, I have, I have some other things that I throw in there and they're better than ums, but they're still filler words. Right. Yeah. So what are three things that salespeople can do to improve their, their dialect and their speech and their pitch? Cause I, I hear it with them too, especially when they get up in front of a, a in a sales training and yeah. they have to do role play, man, if you can sell somebody in there out in the field, it's so much easier. Right. So oh, yeah. role plays was something that we've talked about before, but the, the ums are come out like crazy. And then, and then they have other words that they'll fill in there too, just like I do. So what, what can we do to improve that? Yeah. So really to get rid of those ums, so first and foremost is being prepared to know what to say. Podcasting is very hard. And obviously when you're in that sales conversation, the start of it, when you go knock on the door, it's, it's hard at first to not say um and ah and everything because you're not prepared. It's unscripted. Mm -hmm. But the more you can be prepared and have bullet points of what you're going to talk about, the better you're going to be at not doing those ums and ahs. So as you start practicing more, you know what you're going to speak about. Again, it's kind of impromptu speaking with sales, so it is a little difficult not to do those ums and ahs, but the more you can get rid of those, the more you're going to sound like you know what you're talking about, because right. believe it or not, subconsciously, when people are um uh, uh, just stuttering all over the place, mm -hmm. we feel like, do they really know what they're talking about? Do they really understand their product if that's what they're selling. So you need to make sure that you have your bullet point, you know what you're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. And of course that comes with practice, but that'd be the first thing. Second thing, slow down. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing with salespeople, man. They want to talk a million miles a minute. They're, they're quick. They're willing and dealing. They're just talking and it's so fast. So slow down. It's going to be all right. Yeah. They're going to understand you. Now, if you're in the South, you might have that that southern draw, so maybe mm -hmm. you need to speed up a little bit or get rid of that draw just a little bit. But especially from up north, slowing down is going to help. But I've noticed a lot of salespeople don't necessarily talk that slow. There's obviously some out there that do, yeah. but just make sure you're going at a nice, comfortable pace because this will also help the ums and ahs. Because if you're, I mean, just spitting out sentences, you're going to be like, oh, I can't yeah. think. So your mind can't think. Talking enough. faster than you can think. Exactly. So slow down. And then thirdly, have that confidence in yourself and in your product. If you know that your product can help 
the customer. It's going to serve the customer. Have confidence in that and have confidence that you know your product, which goes back to knowing what you're talking about. But having that confidence, which goes to the story as well that I talked about with the friend from college, he, he knew his product, but he wasn't confident in himself. And so because he lacked confidence, he got the lower grade. So same thing for you. If you lack confidence in yourself and in your product, your sales rate is going to go down. So mm -hmm. you have to make sure that you're confident because confidence is key. Now, I don't think you have to say that to salespeople a lot of times because most of them are pretty confident, mm -hmm. but you need to believe in your product as well. Because I've been in sales roles before, not for a long time, because I've always told myself I'm not that great at sales, but mm -hmm. I've had to overcome that limiting belief, but because I didn't believe in the product, it was that much harder to sell. And mm -hmm. people would then question, even if it made sense that, Hey, I'm going to sell you a $20 bill for $10. If I come off as shady or like, yeah, I'm not really sure if you're going to actually buy that $20 bill from me for $10, people would be like, well, what's the catch? Right. But there is no catch because I'm selling you a $20 bill for $10. I'm losing $10 and you're gaining $10 here. Mm -hmm. But because I sound a little off, you're not going to want to buy it or you're going to hesitate. So make sure right. you have that confidence as well in yourself and the product. No, I, I believe in that 100%. I think I created some content a while back that was exactly that. You know, the number one hack to sales is believing in your product. Like if you're mm. selling something you don't believe in, you don't use at home, you know what I mean, that you don't genuinely believe can improve the customer's lifestyle, then you're going to have you're going to have to really rely on those reps, those sales skills and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with sales, I mean, car salesmen, that's probably the most notorious one mm -hmm. that you're just there for a fat commission check. Mm -hmm. And most people are going to have that guard up. But if you start coming in and speaking with them about how your product can help them mm -hmm. and not just that this product does X and it's going to give you Y result, but how does it personally help them? The more you can make it relate to them and their situation, the more likely you're going to sell them. And of course, it's to, to help them. It's not to get the sale so you can move on and go make another close, yeah. but it's actually to help them. And when you're there to serve the person they're more likely to open up to you and 100%. you'll figure out whether, and you won't go on that wild goose chase either because if you're just trying to sell a lot of people, they don't want to tell people no. So I'm like, well, not right now. Or, Oh, let me talk to my wife or this excuse, that excuse. Mm -hmm. And so here you are following up with a person that's never going to buy from you. So just be there to serve them and help have them open up and let them then be vulnerable with you. So that way you get, the know that like, Hey, I'm just not interested. This is not a product for me. It's like, okay, that makes sense. And yeah. you can move on. I mean, if you want to follow up after that, I'm not a sales guy. So that's <laughs> yeah. up to you to make that discretion there, right. but you can actually get an actual answer instead of a rebuttal and have to keep following up and wasting everybody's time. Absolutely. One of the transition phrases I like to use or not phrases, but transition strategies I like to use is empathy first, right? So mm -hmm. whatever the consumer just told you, you have empathy for it, whether it's good or bad, right? Yeah. And then you you turn up the volume on the pain or you turn up the volume on the pleasure, right? Mm -hmm. And um, everybody understands those two words. That's why I use them. And the pain is, you know, the product that they have now that you're trying to replace and how it's not working for them. The pleasure is yeah. the idea of the product that you're trying to give them and the improvement on their lifestyle, you know, and it, it, as long as you combo those together, then that gives you time to subconsciously think of, okay, 
what is the next step? What's my next bullet point? Where am I at in the sales process? You know, and when you role play those things over and over again, like you said, reps, reps is everything. Mm -hmm. If you can, if you can go through a thousand pitches versus, you know, having gone through five, you're going to be way more seasoned. You're going to get rid of the ums, like you said. And so that's a huge, huge deal for us. And that's why we role play every day. That's why I encourage it so much. So I appreciate that, that insight. And it goes right along with a lot of the things that we're doing internally right now and giving me a bunch of great content ideas too of, of some of the strategies to put out there as well. So that's great. All right. So last like pointed question here. (laughs) So people buy based on emotion. How do you create emotion in a conversation, sales presentation or speech? Well, you have to listen. You have to listen to what the customer is saying or the potential customer is saying, because if you're just going through that sales presentation and that's all you're doing is presenting to them and you don't know your audience, you don't know who they are, what they like to do, you're not going to sell them because maybe they don't want all the details. So we'll go solar. You know, most of the time what I've heard on your podcast and mm-hmm. when I had, I can't even think of his name right now. Um, one of the other solo guys, he, he was talking about how it's the numbers. The numbers is what makes sense. Well, some people, even with the numbers, well, I don't know how it's going to look on my house. And yeah. I'm just worried. How is this going to affect when you come? Is it going to be really loud? Like, mm-hmm. how is this going to affect my life while this is, process is happening? So if I'm this person that's worried about how my house is going to look after, but all you're doing is tell me the numbers, yep. I don't care. I mean, of course, I don't want to lose money by getting solar on my house, but if all you're doing is going into the details and the numbers and everything, you haven't listened to me. So you have to figure out those pain points mm-hmm. of your audience and then use that as part of your presentation. And of course, you want to make sure you go over the numbers and obviously they need to know what it's going to cost them or what it's not going to cost them or whatever. Right. But going with those pain points and really listening to them is, is what you have to do. So really it's, it's about listening, especially with the sales presentation is listening and you can start figuring out based on demographics and stuff, some of the things that are there. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to go speak with a man versus a woman, you're going to speak differently. And so catering that presentation based on the audience that's going to be there or married a family versus mm-hmm. a single person. You know, there's a lot of different nuances that you can go through, but make sure that you know who you're going to speak with. And of course, door knocking is difficult, but that's where that practice comes back in. So as you're doing that practice there in the office, then you know, okay, there's a guy that answered the door. There's a bunch of dogs. Okay. They're, they're barking in the background. They're probably embarrassed or maybe they just don't care, but you can kind of gauge based on that. If there's a bunch of dogs, Hey, I don't mean to take up your time, but would like to talk about solar with you or like mm-hmm. to talk you, with you about Cutco knives <laughs> at some point <laughs> or whatever it is. And so just having that conversation based on the situation around you. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. You know, qualifying the, qualifying the household and qualifying the, the customer is a huge piece of it. One of the things yeah. that we do in role play is we'll write three things on the board that you can see, right? So Ooh. obviously yeah. we're not in a neighborhood. There's, there's not things mm-hmm. to grab around you to basically build rapport with and, and in building rapport and in qualifying the customer is where you're listening, right? So we always go by the 70, 30 rule. You should be listening 70% of the time and you should be talking 30% of the time. If you can mm-hmm. create that, there, there is no question of whether they're going to buy. It's how much they're going to buy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's very hard to create though that, you know, customers don't want to give up information, right? So mm-hmm. you, you got to loosen them up with rapport, 
ask them those qualifying questions, get them talking about themselves and their lifestyle, and then you'll get all the information you need in order to cater the sales presentation to them, kind of like you were you were saying there. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. And the more you get them to talk, the better too, because we all love to hear ourselves talk. We all love to mm-hmm. talk in some way, shape, or form, especially if we're talking about ourselves. Mm-hmm. So get them to talk about themselves. That's going to help draw out that emotion as well. A hundred percent. So I'm going to pull out part of that question because it's a different answer, I feel like. So you're on a stage. You can't qualify. I mean, the the audience is already qualified. You know what they're about and who they are in mm-hmm. general, right? But each individual is not qualified, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I understand about speaking is people remember not what you said, but how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. And so what are some strategies to to bring out that emotion when you're on the stage? Really get as almost granular as possible. Have in mind who the person is you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Because whether it's a, a room of 20 people or 2,000 people, 10,000 people, especially as the room gets bigger and bigger, you're going to want to make sure that you're specifically speaking with one person. Just like us talking right here, you know, obviously I'm trying to talk with your podcast audience as well, mm-hmm. and I don't know who they all are, so that's a little bit more difficult, but I can have in mind that I'm speaking with salespeople, which is obviously the name of the podcast or part of the name, but I know that. I know these are salespeople, so I bring up sales analogies. I don't talk about food analogies or anything like that. So I have in mind who the people are that I'm trying to talk to. So Mm -hmm. if you're on a stage and let's take the stage that you're going to be on with me. So it's going to be small business owners. Mm -hmm. You're going to be talking about legacy. So how can you bring legacy speaking to small business owners? Well, you can draw out that emotion by talking about how you're building a business to be able to leave that legacy for your family. And that could look like, building this amazing business that runs on its own, or maybe Mm -hmm. you pass the business on to them, or you just leave them with millions of dollars or or whatever. (laughs) You can draw that out however you want to, or you can talk about the fact that it gave you the time freedom to spend with your family. Mm -hmm. And you're going to draw those emotions out that way. But then if I talk about speaking, or sorry, if I talk about how building that business to build a legacy is so I can spend more time with my family and have a great family life. Well, now you're talking to a family person. You're not talking to a single person in right. this case. And so that's what you do to be able to draw those emotions out. When you're talking to a larger audience, you start talking to a specific avatar, just like mm-hmm. we do on social media, just like we do on our podcast. We have a specific avatar in mind and we speak to that avatar. So that's really, in my opinion, how you would go about speaking on stage. Talk to that one avatar because you're not going to be for everybody. And if you're trying to be for everybody, you're going to be for nobody. The only thing that works like that is like Walmart, but they're not for everybody either. You know, they're for most people because it's cheap. <laughs> they're not for me. But, the only yeah. reason I go to Walmart is because they're, they're in divine and I don't have to drive 15 minutes to AGB, but it's usually for that. Like Walmart's my corner store, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. They're right down the road. So. <laughs> Yeah. No, that's, but yeah, most people don't want to go there. It's usually, yeah, it's, it's convenient or it's cheap. And mm-hmm. so they're going there to save some money, but nobody really actually likes Walmart. Uh, so say <laughs> it's a similar thing for us. Not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to resonate with your message. Right. So why try to be general and mm-hmm. why not go speak to that one person, that avatar that you have in mind mm-hmm. and speak to them because you're going to more likely than be able to close them or get their interest to come follow up and talk with you afterwards yeah. versus just being general, because then people know that you're for them 
or they know that you're not for them. So that way they can make a decision because if you're just generic, they can't make a decision if they like you or not. Yeah. So don't be a Walmart. (laughs) Yeah. Don't be a Walmart. I love it. (laughs) Be a Louis Vuitton. (laughs) There we go. Yeah. Oh Yeah. yeah. You're speaking my wife's word. She was already telling me, she's like, I really want to go get a Louis Vuitton for my birthday. Uh-huh. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you don't want, yeah. you don't want landscaping lights this year. Right. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Uh, I have to make n- sure to edit that part out. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I agree with that because, you know, when I've heard about the greatest speakers, the Ed Milets, the Eric Thomas, mm-hmm. you know, those type of guys, talk about their strategies is a lot of times they'll identify one person, physical person in the audience and yeah. they will literally speak to them the whole time. Yeah. And can you imagine being in Ed Milet's audience and he's making eye contact with you and he's speaking to you the whole time? Like I'd probably yeah. cry like 10 times probably, you know what I mean? Cause the eye contact is everything, you know? And so I think taking it a step further, you know, and obviously when you construct the speech, you construct it for the avatar, right? But when you're actually mm. giving the speech, the idea of picking out, and, and for me, it's probably going to be two or three people. I'm going to pick out two or three, and I'm going to speak to them. You know, it would be one person on the left, one person in the middle, and one person on the right. And um, I think when you try to look out over the crowd or whatever, your eyes go glossy a little bit, and you lose that connection. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But if you connect with that one person there, it, like you said, even if you just impact that one person, you did what you were supposed to do. You know, yeah. So that 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 concept is really cool. So, tell me well, about well, your. Believe it or not, you're not going to actually be able to see probably past the first row. Most that's fair. Lights are right <laughs> in your eyes, so you really can't see anything. So you're like faking eye contact. You're just trying to like look around yeah. and hope you see or make that eye contact with the person. Gotcha. So when you're on most stages, you're actually not going to see anybody in the audience. You know, it's funny. Ryan says it all. Eye contact. Ryan says it all the time. I can't see you guys, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's true because the stage lights are so bright and they're literally right in your eyes because everybody needs to be able to see you in that dark room. Mm-hmm. So you're not seeing them. <laughs> oh, man, that should be fun. Awesome. Yeah. Well, tell Hey man. So you're basically just like faking like you're looking at people. Yeah. No. <laughs> but that does make it difficult as well. I mean, it's I would say it's similar to mm-hmm. somebody really not having interest in your conversation. How do you bring them back into that conversation to keep having that interest? And it's really just trying to figure out what makes them tick, what makes Mm -hmm. them excited in bringing that emotion out. That happens all the time with me and Alicia. I have to tell her, hey, eyes up here, okay? (laughs) This is not where the conversation is happening. (laughs) Yeah, man, she look at at those washboard abs, huh? (laughs) The ones in my mind, sure. (laughs) (laughs) So why in the world did you decide to have your own event? That is a, you know, you went from like, Hey, I'm going to get into uh, coaching for speaking. And I've, I've been following your content for about a year now. So you've been consistent on that. And all of a sudden you're having your own event. You just skip like three levels of building your machine. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah, man. I definitely feeling a little bit of that, to be honest, that I did <laughs> skip some. But a lot of it was, one, I just wanted to do it. And that's part of the legacy for me as well that I want to mm-hmm. leave is to show that you can do anything that you put your mind to. Mm-hmm. And so that was the first piece. But then secondly, part of what I do with coaching individuals is talk about 
if you want to get on stage, sometimes you have to build that stage. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of a whole practice what you preach thing as well. So it is a little nerve wracking to do, but I wanted to be able to do it and build up that local authority Mm because that event is here local to me in the Greenville, South Carolina area. And so that's really why I did it to practice what I preach Mm -hmm. and then well, I just want to build a stage as well and yeah. get people on stage. And that's part of my mission is get a thousand people on stage. So if I'm not building the stage for myself, how am I going to get them on stage? <laughs> I counted the people in the group speaking at the event in their six total, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So you got six right there. Six, yep. six out of a thousand. You're at 0.03%. <clears throat> yeah. So. And I got another event that I'm doing in November. Oh, really? Uh, it's going to be at the, yeah, it's going to be at the Biltmore. So I'm actually doing that with Jeremy Schreifels. That's how you pronounce his last name. I think I've seen uh, his name around. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing that event together, and we have him and myself and five other speakers. Nice. That's so gonna be at the Biltmore there in Asheville, North Carolina. So that's gonna be an awesome event as well. So doing two events in two different months. Uh huh. <laughs> so right back to back, pretty much. You're, so sorry, gonna... it's in October. I think I must know. Oh, okay. That's in October. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna learn so much. You know, um, the the people that I know that that run big events now. They talk about their first mm-hmm. few events and everything, and uh, you're already, you can tell you're already past what their first events were, you know? And obviously, yeah. you've been coached, and you have have information that they didn't have back then, you know what I'm saying? So, Oh, yeah. Being, yeah, that helps being, a ton, man. It, it shortens that learning curve, for mm-hmm. sure. So, you've touched on it a few times now. You've touched on the, the legacy piece, and I think you're just kind of setting yourself up for later, which is smart. I got you, but it, it does. It rounds out the podcast pretty nicely. I appreciate that. Um, what does that mean to you, you know, in general? And then what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Hmm. Legacy in general means it's building something, you know, mm-hmm. building whatever it is that you want to build. And so I've kind of alluded to it this whole time, but really my legacy that I want to leave is, having people know, especially my daughter and hopefully a future son, we're planning on have another child at some point and I'm hoping it's a son, but if it's another daughter, that's fine as well. But for my future, my child and future child, I want them to be able to know that they can go out and do whatever they want and be able to have that message that I've left Mm -hmm. podcasts, YouTube, especially those are always going to be there. So you can go Mm -hmm. back and watch dad and see what dad talked about and be able to get that information that I didn't have when I was a kid. Yeah. And I think about, you know, we were just talking about that, how I have all these people around me, these mentors, this group mm-hmm. and everything to help me learn so much. But I wish I had that like 10 years ago. I, I wonder where I'd be at 10 years ago. And so I want to be able to have that information out there to be able to give and to share and show that example. Mm-hmm. So that's really my legacy is leaving that message behind for my children so that they can be empowered to go do what they want to do and have the opportunities that I didn't have and then help others as well. And just really help people push to be the best version of themselves because it's life is so grand. There's so many opportunities. You shouldn't have to squander it by staying in a nine to five, go do what you want Mm -hmm. because you can create anything you want. That's what I found with entrepreneurship. You just, I mean, essentially just made up. Hey, right. that sounds kind of cool. Okay, let's do it. And when you just figure it out as you go, or you plan it out as much as possible and start taking action versus mm-hmm. school, the nine to five, it's more like, Hey, you've got to do this one little thing. We've got to build this widget and this is the only way to do it. Yeah. And so that's what I love about entrepreneurship. 
and want other people to understand that and get that love for that and be their best selves. You know, and I've, I haven't spent a whole lot of time thinking about the digital imprint that we're leaving for our kids, but it is exciting thinking about that. You know, when we think about those uh, adults or parents or family members that influenced us throughout our lives, if we were able to go back and, you know, see, have access to 500 podcast episodes that they spoke on and, you know, you could learn everything about them. And then... Yeah generations from now three or four generations from now that never even met you get to learn about you you know because something is carrying on carrying on that you passed down through your legacy you know so that's pretty cool to always have that digital imprint it almost makes me want to because i don't trust youtube or uh apple podcasts i almost Mm -hmm. want to create backups which we have right but they're on google suite or whatever the case is i almost want to create almost a time capsule a backup type deal where it's a, it's a family passcode, you know, and mm. so, sorry, I'm thinking out loud now, <laughs> I'm no, getting good, distracted, but yeah, that would be cool though. Something physical to be able to hand and they can access through, uh, you know, another device or something like that would be really cool. It's, yeah, it's well, crazy I mean, though. You're working on that. You're working on that, man. That, that hundred acre ranch, that big mm-hmm. oak tree, which is the, the family as the family crest and everything. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. You're physically building that That's for people for your family to see for generations to come mm-hmm. and knowing that great grandpa Doug is the one that yeah. built this for That's us. That's so weird saying that too, right? Cause I'm sure you've <laughs> referenced yourself as a grandpa in the future and you're just like, no, wait, I'm 36 years old. I'm never going to be a grandpa. I'm going to stay young forever. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what we thought in our twenties. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right, brother. Oh, yeah. But yeah, you're building it already, man. You're already doing the, the big things, the physical things as well. But yeah, mm. the more, the more physical things that you can pass down, the better, really. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. So, you know, obviously we have a lot of listeners that could use some of your services or just, you know, follow your content for sure. Cause you're putting out a ton of content right now, which is awesome. Um, where do they find you at? You can find me on Facebook. I think it's like William P sessions, I, I, something like that. Mm-hmm. You just look, look up Philip sessions. Uh-huh. You'll find me pretty easy, but the, the URL, and then I am Philip sessions on Instagram. You can find me over on LinkedIn at Philip sessions as well. And my podcast speaking sessions podcast, and you can look up my website, speaking sessions.com. Awesome. Perfect. And we'll include all that in the, uh, the show notes. And then we'll add you to a uh, folder that's going to have all the content and everything in there so you can repurpose it if you want to as well. Awesome. Sounds good. All right, brother. Appreciate you having on. It's been a great podcast, and uh, let's get building. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We sure do appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get notifications as new episodes become available. Remember, great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. Until next time.